0: Winning in the spirit realm. Winning in the spirit realm. Listen to me. You are not here this morning by accident. Several have chosen to not come to church today. Several have chosen to go somewhere else or to do other things. But you chose to be here this morning, and that's not an accident. God has something. That he wants to tell you and specific to your life. You're here because God wants to back you up with an army of angels and an ocean of promises. You're here this morning because God wants to back you up with an army of angels and an ocean of promises. God has a heavy And a full heart for you. He has so much that he wants to tell you and give you and love on you. And he wants you to up your game. He wants you to up your game and start winning. And he wants to give you the wherewithal to win. The wherewithal to win. He wants to give you the ammo, the ammunition to win. He wants to let you see bigger Discoveries, bigger victories. He wants to give you a sight of what life could be if he was was partnering with you. Listen, the physical strength, the emotional levels, that's where everybody plays their games. Everyone on earth, at your workplace, everybody in your family, in your colony, in your relatives, set of relatives, in your network of connections and clients and, and patrons... Everyone plays it on that playing field, on that level. Physical, emotional. Physical, and emotional Manipulation. Greed. Deception. Self-preservation. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Stuff like that. Everybody plays on that level. And everybody is trying to win or lose on that level. And winning here is very basic. Even if you win on the emotional level, if you win on the physical level, financial level, on the earthly level, if you're winning there, great, good for you. There's a dime a dozen gurus and management you know, uh, coaches and life coaches and whatnot to help you win on that level. But God has something far greater for you. And that's why you're here this morning to listen to that. What if you could step into another realm? What if you could live in another reality of strength, a different reality of power and of victory? What if you were able to up your game and play at a level where not everybody is playing? You are actually winning most of the time. You're actually getting ammunition and strength and power from a different source than just the people around you. Because the people you're, you're winning with over here, the people you're playing with on this level, they're also playing the game and they also need to win. But when you up your game and you enter into the spirit realm, when you enter into a spiritual life of living life spirit, then body, then soul, that is emotions, that are, when you put your spirit first, when you start living and winning in the spirit, something changes. Something changes, and now you're looking at life differently. You're, you've got different perspectives. You've got different definitions. Even success itself is different. You're not caught up. You're not caught up with the everyday stuff. You don't, you don't let everything get to you. Everything getting to you, everything tripping you up, everything either discouraging you or encouraging you. There's nothing that holds you back. Nothing that holds you back. You're way above all of that. Have you heard that phrase? I'm above that. We are way above. You literally are way above all of that. Like an eagle fighting a snake, a serpent. An eagle grabs the serpent and it flies high into the air. And there in its own turf, there in its environment that it's familiar with, with those incredible wings, It fights the eagle, the the snake. And the snake is completely out of its depth. What if everyday stuff didn't get to you? What if you could live above that? What if you could wake up in the morning and know that you're going to win? Know that you're going to do this day well. Know that this day is going to count in eternity. That's the winning that God wants to give you. That's the winning that God wants to give you. My brother, my sister, and my friend, you are God's own. You belong to God. You are his. You're a child of God. And he wants to see you victorious. Listen carefully. He wants to see you victorious. No. He isn't expecting you to win, do well, get good marks, and come back and show him so that he can be pleased with you. He's not wanting you to win so that he can be pleased with you. It gives him pleasure to see you win. It is his will that you should win. It is his will that his child should win. Therefore, he's going to help you win no matter what. This is not so that he will be pleased. It's so that you will be pleased. And so that this is not about you, but this is him showing his entire support for you. God Almighty sitting in heaven wants to back you up with an army of angels and an ocean of promises. He is pleased when you are enabled, when you are empowered to win. It excites the, love, the heart of God when he sees you get through a day and conquer it. Don't just make it through. Don't say, I managed it. he conquered conquer it. God loves it when that happens. So, What's the plan? How do we up our game and start winning in the spirit realm? How do we move things from operating in the flesh and the earthly realm and time and and temporal and move it into the spirit realm and start acting there and winning there? How do we do that? Earthly issues, earthly problems. First, let me give you some promises. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Would you read that with me? Would you read that with me? For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Are you beginning to tell what's on God's heart? You know, we have been programmed to think that God's a whip master over there and he's waiting on you to please him. But the truth of the matter is that God and you are a team, not with a whip, but with a sword of the word, ready to take life on and help you win in your family, in your marriage, in your addictions, in your weaknesses, in your Patterns in all of those things, not just cope, not just manage, but actually crack, break free and take off and live in a complete different realm. The problems are different in that realm, but live in a different realm. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. You may be able to stand your ground. Hear the heart of God for you. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. I'll come back to this later. But he says, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. Underline that, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Even our faith. Thank you, Joel, for reading God's word to us this morning. So I'm assuming that you've read the passage of scripture and it's in your heart and you've got a kind of grip of that passage of scripture, but keep your Bibles open. It's also on the screens and we are in Mark chapter 3. I did a few verses last time to finish up the Sabbath theme and now we want to go into the rest of the chapter up to verse 35 and wrap that up. Please don't fall asleep because God has something powerful for you today. So to win in the spiritual realm, to win in the spiritual realm, to level up, my spiritual battle, number one, number one, I need a spiritually powered, empowered team. I need a spiritually empowered team. I need an army. I need a team with me that gets it. They are also as powerful, they are as anointed, they're as you know strong, and they are focused on the same thing. I need a team. I need a team. So let's get into the passage of Scripture, verse 13. He says, and he went up on the mountain, and he called to him those who he desired. He called to him at will those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed how many? Twelve, whom he named what? Apostles. What does apostle mean? A sent one. Apostle means a sent one. It's like Messiah, a sent one. So that, I want you to note this, number one. So that they might be, they might be, yeah, that's the training. Three years, diploma in Jesus. Okay, that's the training. You're going to hang out with God for three years. You're going to get it. You're going to understand who the real enemy is. You're going to... understand how to deal with criticism how to deal with popularity and the or the lack of it you're going to understand what's important to the to the father you're going to understand what it's like to live to please the father you're going to hang with me and we're going to make this happen number 2 that he might send them out to do what to preach because last time you remember he said i haven't come here to do miracles i am not I'm not here to have a deliverance ministry. I am here to preach the gospel. The kingdom of God is coming. I'm here to preach. So his team needs to be people who can also preach, who can witness. So he wants a team that's with him. And number three, and have authority to cast out demons. Have authority to cast out demons. And today we're going to understand why that's so important. Why that's so important? So number one, they're going to be with him. Number two, they're going to be sent out to preach. And number three, they are going to have authority to cast out demons. So he appointed 12. Here are the names. There's the list. Here's the recruits. Number one, Simon, whom he called? Peter. Okay. And John, the brother of James, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, short form Bart), Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alpheus, Thaddeus, si- and Simon the Zealot. And finally, our friend? Judas Iscariot. Yes. Judas Iscariot, the one who? Betrayed. What, a, what a thing to have right after your name, no? Jeremy Dawson, the one who betrayed Christ. Ugh. Man. So, how many disciples did Jesus have? You guys are smart. You're playing it very safe. How many disciples did Jesus have? No, he didn't have 12. He had 500. Jesus had 500 plus disciples. How many disciples did Jesus have? Not 12, but over 500 disciples. Okay. How many apostles did Jesus have? 12. So this... This picture we have of Jesus and 12, and then one falls off, okay? And then we've got 11, and then Paul is added to that 12 later on as he meets Jesus personally and is commissioned personally by Christ, which is the criteria for being apostle. He chose them, commissioned them, empowered them, Paul, right? Saul who became Paul, that's the 12. These are the apostles. These are the apostles. But the disciples he had was over 500 people, following him all over the countryside, all over the place. And then he had an entourage of about 70 people. He had an entourage of 70. These 70 people actually moved with him. They went around from town to town with him. They traveled with him. They chartered the whole aeroplane. They moved on the ship together. 70 of them, not 12 but 70 of them moved with Jesus everywhere. They literally traveled with him from town to town. It was a complex ministry. It was one guy hanging out with 12 men. It was a complex ministry of networking. There was a lot of work to do. There was events. There was was catering. There was engagements. There were survey trips. Okay, you guys go go into the town. You check out. You find out where we could do the the Passover feast. You go and get get the place ready for ministry. No, you stand here because you guys stay here because 5,000 are going to come and you're going to have to feed them. You're going to have to feed them. So you stay here. So some are doing crowd management. Some are going on on, uh, uh, recce trips. And they're, they're getting, the place, getting the next town ready for Jesus of Nazareth. So these 70 were going around. And all of this ministry required money. It required funds, big funds. And Jesus knew. And he had disciples among rich people, among business people. And they're the ones who supported Jesus' ministry. And all the money came in. And Judas handled The funds. He was the money back. Judas handled the funds. Oh man. I could take that one in so many directions. (laughs) But Judas handled the money. Some went ahead, they got things organized, some stayed, some managed crowds, some, some bought supplies, some handled communication, the nationwide ministry required serious funding and Judas Iscariot managed the funds. Winning point number one, winning point number one, Jesus was mobilizing disciples to make more disciples to bring a lost world back to the Father, that was the agenda. He knew that there was going to be opposition and that opposition is going to be demonic in its opposition, demonic and spiritual in its opposition, so there was a spiritual agenda. So he had to have men who were with him who were going to go on a spiritual agenda and Cast out demons as you move in to take territory because the son of man was coming back as a second Adam to win back what the first Adam had lost creation, all of creation, first man and everything that was created. So he was coming in, and the Gospel of Mark teaches us that as Jesus came in, as he came through, as he healed diseases, he was taking back his creation that he himself made that he that belonged to him. And what was happening here on earth was because Satan and his Cronies, Because his team was all over the place and they had, they had, they had taken over. They had, they were all over the place. They were, they were using people, abusing people, oppressing people, possessing people. Since they were all over the place, the first enemy that had to go was the demonic world. The first enemy that was against the spiritual agenda of God the Father coming, sending his son was, was, Get rid of them. So he couldn't just do doing it alone. As he sent these guys out, he empowered them to be able to take care of business, to be able to take care of the real enemy. The real enemy wasn't that people weren't coming to your ministry. The real enemy wasn't that funds were not rolling in. The real enemy wasn't that you were not popular or your messages were not being downloaded. The real enemy wasn't that, you know, uh, the worship team uh, was great or not great or the music was great or the electricity went. The real enemy... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, heavenly places. And Jesus knew who the real enemy was. And to get his people back, to get his people back, he was going to have to destroy and move out and authorize his men to get rid of, turn out the... Demon. So he gathered around him a team of people whom he empowered with his word and his spirit. He gathered a team that shared his vision, preached the same message and empowered them to bind Satan. He empowered them to bind Satan as they advanced into the spiritual battlefield. My brothers and sisters, you and I want to win. But if we don't even know who our real enemy is. If we're being taken out by the same thing over and over again, if we don't fix the real problem and we don't understand who the real enemy is, we will try and try and get frustrated and try and fail and get frustrated and then blame ourselves. Where all along, God had given you both the promise and the power to destroy the real enemy. And the real enemy is not flesh and blood because you are a real child of God. You're a spiritual child. You are a spiritual person. You are a spiritual being and your real enemy is in the spirit realm and you've got to win on that level first. You've got to win on that level first. And the equivalent of casting out demons, which if Jesus and, this, and the apostles, they cast out demons because they were taking ground. They were moving in and they were sending them out. And every time he showed up, he says, you are the son of God. What are you doing here? Have you come to torment us? No, just get out. Just get out. And he would move them out. The equivalent for us today is not casting out demons. The equivalent for us today is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is what takes down the mighty work of the devil. Prayer is what takes down the strongholds of the devil. And the devil has a grip on our teenagers. Through social media, through addictions, through mass propaganda, and through their own peers, he has a grip on our children. He has a grip on our little Girls who are looking at photos and Instagram and others and wondering what they need to grow up to be. He has a grip on our men as he has destroyed the godly masculinity of caring, of protecting, of providing. He's told men in the loudest voice through media and through everywhere, shut up, you're worthless, get lost. You remind me of Adam. He's told men, And every man deep in his heart is constantly hearing a voice of self-defeat. He hears it at home. He hears it at his workplace. He hears it on the street. If he's not winning, if he's not providing, he is nothing. Satan has bound men. And from there, they go to drinking. Or they go to porn. Or they go to other relationships. Or they go to weakening patterns that just endorse and reinforce that same belief. He takes the fears of women. He takes the fears of our dear women, our sisters, our mothers, our daughters, our wives, and he keeps throwing up that fear in front of your face. He keeps throwing up that fear and stirring that fear. He knows what to do to bring things around you so that you're constantly living in that fear, living in that moment, living with that and you, nobody's good enough for you. Nobody helps you through. <sighs> when you read through these passages of scripture, and you say Jesus cast out demons, what is he really talking about? Where Satan had free reign, no more, no more. For this habitation was fashioned for the Lord's presence. No more authority here. Get out, get out. This this woman belongs to me. Jesus is saying. This man belongs to me, this family belongs to me, this marriage belongs to me, this church belongs to me, this home belongs to me, this address belongs to me. I reign here. Now you understand why it's so important to have Jesus as Lord in your home. It is so important to be married to somebody who comes alongside you and prays heaven down every morning on you and on your children. It is so important for a pastor to be praying a cover, a cover of protection over his people every morning before they go out into the world, before they go out into a place where there's idols and there's, there's, there's demonic absolute freedom and Satan has, can do what he wants, say what he wants in his world and he rules the power of the air. He's the prince of the power of the air. That's media. He gets through to you in all possible ways. The voice is loud. Uh, it's, it's, it's important that a pastor prays that prayer of cover. It's not the content of the prayer, the issues of the prayer, the matters of the prayer. It's the prayer itself. The equivalent of demonic outcasting or, or, or victory or deliverance today is prayer. You are not an apostle and you don't have the authority to tell demons, jump, get out, do this, do that. You do not have the authority to do that. And those who are playing with that game, those who are talking like that, are in for big trouble. But you do have the authority to enter his courts, to come boldly and to ask anything you will. And he will send angels to be with you and guard you and he will give you victory and he will fight your battles for you. You are in his hands and you are his and demons recognize Jesus and demons recognize you. If for nothing else than the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when you walk into your workplace, you are a threat to the devil. When you walk into your colony, when you come back home and you're just praying through the streets, you're a threat to the devil. When you pass by idols, you're a threat to the devil. You are a threat to the devil. Stop acting like everything's a threat to you. You have no idea. The angels that are on duty... And stand by, they are on standby the moment God says, answer that prayer. Did you hear him answer that? Did you hear him cry? Answer that prayer. That's my child out there. You're walking into the principal's office. You're walking into a difficult meeting. Anything, anything, manipulation, emotional, anything on the physical and emotional, you rise above it and win in the spirit. Win in the spirit and those things will get taken care of. God will take care of it. You have no idea how powerful you are. To win, I need a spiritually empowered team. What do I look for? I look for people who are on mission for Christ. I need people in my life who are on mission for Christ. I need people who are a witness for Christ in their own lives. They're willing to be a witness for their own lives. If all your friends are deserted Jesus, if all your friends and loved ones are people you hang out with, your social scene, if they're all embarrassed of Jesus or don't know Jesus, you are going to be like them pretty soon. You need a a team. People who are prayerful. Hang out with people who are prayerful, strong. They know how to take down the enemy. They know how to bind the enemy. Look for people who who have spiritual strength in their own life. There's got to be somebody in your workplace. There's got to be somebody in your church, somebody in your, in your uh, family. There's got to be someone who's spiritually strong. Hang out with them. Just hang out with them. Be close to them. Because if it's not your prayer, it's their prayer. Let it just, just be in their vicinity until you also become strong, until you learn the language. I bind you, Satan. No, I bind you back. No, no, I bind you. You can't do this alone. You cannot do this alone. You're trying too long and too hard to do this alone because you think this whole thing is a holiness game. You think this whole thing is a good works game. Until I'm good enough for the Lord, until I'm good enough for Jesus, I'm not gonna get involved in ministry. I'm not gonna go to home group. I'm not gonna be part of small group. I don't want people to know the the crap in my life. I don't want them to know what's going on in my life. My brother and sister, everybody is messed up. Everybody is messed up. We are all holy on the spiritual realm and we're all we're all messed up on the physical realm all of us all of us except for Jesus we're all screwed up so welcome to the club welcome to the club nobody's holier than you you're not special But you're so valuable. What was the agenda? Be with them. You're not here to do it on on your own. To be with How do you spend time with Jesus? By spending time with others who love Jesus. Fellowship. Hang with them. Long enough for them to rub off on you. Long enough for them to sound like you and you sound like them. Listen to their questions. Listen to their questions. Bartolome, you never heard from him the whole time. Whole time. We don't know what he said. We don't know what he did. But he was there. And we know he was there. His name is still there. But he was watching. He was watching. We looked at Andrew. Andrew didn't do anything. He just got somebody. He brought them to Jesus. Then he went somewhere. And he brought, got another. That was his ministry. Just bring people to Jesus. We don't know what he said. We don't know if he passed out WhatsApp uh, graphics. We don't know. How it, but he just... To be with him, where do you find these type of people? Church. Where do you find these type of people in church? I need a spiritually powerful strategy. I need a spiritually powerful strategy. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he possessed. He, uh, he he's possessed by Beelzebub. He is possessed by Beelzebub and by the prince of the demons. So now you got a different scenario. He's chosen the disciples, and that's his team now. We are going to talk about the strategy. Once you know the enemy, you want a strategy. You need a spiritually powerful strategy. The scribes who came down, they pointed at Jesus's. Oh, he's very powerful. He's doing miracles. He's doing all this. He's even casting out demons. And they come up with this harebrained idea that he is possessed by Beelzebub, that is the prince of demons. He's the prince of the underworld, the demon, demonic underworld, and. This gives us a somewhat of an insight into the fact that where Jesus is working, the demon's are a little, little bit more active. Where Jesus is at work, where God is at work, the demons are a little bit more active. We, f- we struggle not against flesh and blood. So we see Beelzebub, he's the prince of demons, and the next verse says, by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. So Jesus calls them and says, let me tell you something about strategy. Let me tell you something about strategy. He called them and he said to them, how can Satan cast out Satan If a kingdom is divided against itself What do we learn about the spiritual world? It's a Kingdom It's a kingdom If a kingdom is divided against itself That kingdom cannot stand If a house is divided against itself The house will not be able to stand If Satan was, has risen up against himself And is divided He's got a failing strategy It's not going to work He cannot stand But it's coming to an end He's going to defeat himself But No one, watch this, this is the strategy. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless, say it, he first binds the strong man and then indeed he may plunder his house. So you can't walk into Satan's territory and have a winning game until you tie him up. Until you tie him out. So in Jesus' day, he had apostles and they had authority to cast out demons. In your day and my day, we have authority... To pray, to pray. We have access by prayer. And prayer is by, is, for the most part, prayer is spiritual battle. You and I have grown up to think of prayer as this sending requests up to God. Send requests up to God. Ask God, maybe he'll answer, maybe he won't answer. You never know, God is a loving God. Maybe, depending on how good you've been, he's been keeping a list whether you're naughty, whether you're nice. We don't know. But ask anyway. Ask anyway. You never know. That's the God we've been taught. But prayer is spiritual warfare. Prayer is spiritual warfare. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of man. And whatever blasphemies blasphemies have been uttered, they will be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Spirit of God never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. This is where you get the passage where this is the unforgivable sin. Everybody asks, what is the unforgivable sin? I hope I haven't done the unforgivable sin. I probably have done the unforgivable sin. I'll tell you what it is. And none of you have done it. Because if you had done it, you wouldn't be sitting in church. What's the point? Calling God's work Satan's work. Calling God's work, listen carefully to the, to, the, to the understanding, to the way, the thinking pattern here. Calling God's work Satan's work is blasphemy. And that would result in a false gospel. So when God says, turn from your ways, Trust in Jesus and the Spirit of God tugs you to believe that that is the truth. And you hear that voice and you dismiss it as Satan's work or you dismiss it as not God's work, that's blasphemy. So when you are rejecting the gospel as not God working in your life, he's not warning me, he's not wooing me, he's not bringing me back, he's not calling me back. Every tug you feel towards church, towards the word, towards getting right, towards leaving that relationship, towards leaving that priority, every tug you feel of the work of God, you dismiss it. You dismiss it as not God's work. God's not at work in my life. You are dismissing or blasphemy against the work of God. And he, they were saying that it's Satan actually at work, whereas it was God at work, and that's blasphemy. And the unforgivable sin is the dismissal of the gospel. The unforgivable sin is not accepting God's work as God's work in your life. All sin can be pardoned, but rejecting God's work as God's work, rejecting God's voice as God's voice, rejecting God's truth as God's truth, that is hopelessness. Winning point two, to level up my game, to start winning in the spirit realm, I need a spiritually powerful strategy. I need to take Satan down. Say it in your head with me. I need to take Satan down. I need to understand that my mother-in-law is not my enemy. My boss is not my enemy. The career fellow is not my enemy. The auto guy is not my enemy. My spouse is not my enemy. Satan wants me to lose on the physical and emotional level so that I never even experience The spiritual level, I want to live in there. I want to be a winner. First, I need a team that is spiritually powerful. But second, I need a strategy to defeat the enemy. I need to take out the strong guy on the opposition team. I need to hit him hard. I need to figure out what his play is. I need to figure out his tricks, his patterns, how he gets me down, how he trips me up every single time, how he makes me feel like crap. And then I want to get him on my turf, church. I want to get him on my turf, prayer. I want to get him on my turf, sound of the word. And I want to win my battle there. I want to win my battle there. I don't want to fight him on his turf. Go into a club, be surrounded by everybody half naked, and say, I should not. I should draw a line. I should draw a line. Really. Half drunk, you can't even walk in a line. You're going to draw a line. You get where I'm going with this. I don't want to get too personal, but you don't put yourself on his turf and then try to win. You get him onto your turf and destroy him. How do you destroy the enemy? Battle in prayer. Listen, how do you destroy an enemy? Battle in prayer. How do you destroy an enemy? Claim God's promises. How do you destroy an enemy? Declare his praise. Did you get the three? Did you get the three? Number one, say it with me. How do you destroy the enemy? Number one, battle in prayer. I didn't say say a prayer. I said battle in prayer. Number two, claim God's promises, which which means you need to know his promises. I will fight your battles for you. Number three, declare his praise. Declare his praise. Keep that Spotify song list, that playlist ready, man. Keep it ready. Keep it on play. Listen to it in the morning, listen to it at night. Be filled with the praises of God. Arm yourself, be clothed with majesty as you become a praise offering to God and Satan can't come anywhere near you. He will not come near you, leave alone mess with your emotions. Where does Satan not go? Where there's prayer. Where does Satan not go? Where there's worship. Where is Satan too scared to go to? Where God is holy, and God is anointed, God is lifted up. He will not come anywhere near there. Are you getting this, my brothers and sisters? This is your winning game. This is your winning game. Doubt, mental illness, fear, phobias, weakness, patterns. The biggest one of all, ignorance of who you are, identity, and whose you are, the father. Who you are. That's your identity and whose you are. That's how Satan gets to you. He defines you by other people and by the world. And he helps you forget the father. He helps you forget your father in heaven. And now you are an orphan and you're a nobody. You're an orphan and you're a nobody. And that's his winning game. Defeat him. Take him down. Game over, buddy. Winning in the spirit realm begins on the premise that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Winning in the spirit realm begins with the premise that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And lastly, I need a spiritual engaged family. Let's go back to verse 20 and 21. He says, then he went home. Jesus went home. Then he went home. Jesus went home. He went home and the crowd gathered so they could not even eat. They couldn't have dinner. And this is now spoiling the family plans. The ministry was getting in the way of the family plans. Sound familiar? Hmm. And when his family heard it, there was kundak, And they went out to seize him. For they were saying he is out of his mind. Sometimes the last place you get any encouragement for ministry is home. as family. And this is what his family thought. And we know that Jesus knew the thoughts of people around him. Sometimes family is the last place you get any kind of support for spiritual life and spiritual ministry. Maybe you have an earthly family, but you need a spiritual family. You need a church. You need a godly family. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they, were sent, they sent to him and called him. Come on, let's go home. We need to eat. Chicken is getting cold. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother, your brothers are outside. Your mother and brothers are outside. They were expecting him to be like us. You know, that family is a constant excuse for not doing ministry. Okay. And Jesus turned on and says, what family? What mother? What brother? What sisters? Then he says, look at them. Look at the people around me. Look at the people around me. Who are my brothers and my mother? Look at them around you. The ones who do what? The ones who do the will of God that is my father, that is my brother, that is my sister, that is my mother. Notice there's no father here. That is my brother, that's my sister. you got to choose family that loves Jesus. You can have a physical family, that was your first birth, but when you were born again, God put you into another family. And that family is going to put Jesus first. That family is going to put Jesus first. And you've got to hang with that family. Winning point number three. Our family may or may not share our belief, our mission, our enthusiasm, but to win, I need a family that is purpose-driven, a family who is spiritually engaged with the power and purposes of God, a family where my spiritual identity as my primary identity is established and strengthened, where people remind you, you are a child of God, you're here in the presence of God, you belong to God, you are victorious, you need to come here to hear that, you need to hear that, you need to hear that you're amazing that you've been packed with an army of angels and an ocean of promises. An army of angels and an ocean of promises. You have two families, the first one from your birth, and that gives you your earthly identity, but the second one gives you who you are on the spirit realm, and that's where the winning begins. If I'm going to level up, if I'm going to win in the spirit realm, live on the mission for God, if I'm, I need a team to serve with, I need a strategy for success that's kick out the enemy, and then I need a family to call my home. Covenant life is your home. Covenant life is your home. It needs to be a priority as, as important as winning in the spirit realm is, that is. That's how important church must be. You avoid church, you're avoiding the strength, the power, the angels, and the promises. When you avoid the presence of other believers, you are weakening yourself and opening yourself to disasters. But God wants you to win. And he has given you a people to win with. Which of these three appeals to you the most today? What do you need to pray for of the three things I talked about? One, two, three, all? What do you want God to do for you today? Because I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not asking you to be more than you are. I'm not asking you to be better at anything. I'm telling you, God wants to do more in your life. God wants you to win. God wants to give you the wherewithal to win. God wants to see victory in your life and put a smile on your face and show you off to the the enemy. God wants to do it. You are here to hear this, that God wants to do it. What are you asking God to do for you today so you can level up your game and live in victory? Would you do business with God? Would you take a a moment to be quiet in his presence? You bow your head and you say, Lord, maybe it's a family I need. Lord, maybe it's my prayer life that needs some rehearsal. Lord, maybe it's a strategy. I need to understand how Satan has got me down. What are the things he's using against me to take me down over and over again? You need, you need a team you need a strategy and you need a family what do you want God to give you right now how do you want him to work in your life spirit of the living God come powerfully in this place today and speak speak to us today spirit of God you are the victory you give us faith and that faith is our victory we walk in the spirit not by sight. For those who walk in the spirit do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For you have given to us everything we need for life and godliness. And yet look at your people. Some of them are tired. Some of them are guilty, constantly guilty. Some of them are feeling so far from you. Some of them don't even know where to begin to get in this whole game thing. Oh God, Let compassion flow from your heart to this hall. Open your heart to us to see there is not an ounce of condemnation in your heart. There is not an ounce of condemnation. There is not a pointed finger. Everything died in Christ that day. And Christ rose again with open arms. With open arms. And we are debt free. We are debt free. Today, we have an open invitation to run into your arms and to get what we need. Some people need money. Some people need an income and they need their whole business to be put in order. Some people are looking for their marriage or that which has fallen apart to heal. Some are looking for new friends or somebody who will speak into their life. Someone who will strengthen them. Others are looking for some sort of renewal or they, are, they feel drained. They feel like they've been giving and giving and giving and they're tired. They're tired of no support and understanding from people around them. And they feel they've been running alone. Oh God, they need to be lifted up and they need to be carried by you for a few weeks, for a few months until they can strengthen up. You are the Father. We are the children. You know what we need. Spirit of the living God, be poured out in this place and come anoint with power. Feed With compassion, strengthen and embrace. We are not orphans and we are not nobodies. We are children of the Most High God and we are heirs of Christ, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are a threat to the devil. Oh God, do your work in our lives. Carry your people out of here with a promise. Surround them with an army and prove to them that this sermon wasn't a message for this Sunday. It was the beginning of the rest of their life. Prove to them this week that victory is possible. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson, and if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know, right? A comment in the section below, but let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.